This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 134, and it's a grab bag of stardom themes, sponsored by HelloFresh. And today I am joined by a first-time guest here on the show. He is one of the hosts of the Jumping Bomb audio podcast, which is also on the VOW network. It's Taylor Mainberg. Hello, Taylor. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the show, dating all the way back to the first episodes with Undertaker, AJ Styles, all of that. So big fan, and I'm very happy to finally uh, be able to be on the show. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, definitely. Um, I- I've been trying to you know, get some new uh, voices, uh, shall we say, on the show here lately. And uh, since we're doing a show about Joshi themes and you do a Joshi podcast, I figured you know it's the natural call to make. So here you are. Yeah, excited to talk about uh, these these themes, which are all uh, pretty pretty good themes, pretty exciting themes. So excited to dig into them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one a lot too, for sure. A lot of good themes here. Um, now, I believe the only other time we've spoken that wasn't on Slack was uh, Mania Weekend in New York a few years ago, where I met you for the first time. Uh, which was a lot of fun. And um, I always think of the story of us <laughs> going to that bar after the MSG show for the meetup. And uh, we get there and, uh, you know, we're waiting for more people to show up, of course. And uh, the bartender got mad at us for not ordering yet. And he was like, you got to order, guys. Come on. And you just immediately snapped back like, buddy, there's 15 people coming. They're all going to drink. Relax. Like, I'll never forget you just stepping up to the guy like that. It's pretty memorable. I'm a, I'm a pretty... Uh calm guy i don't get like that often but just something about that we had just sat down (laughs) he came up he's like what do you want to drink i'm and i said we're waiting for people to show up then we're all going to order drinks and he said well you have to order drinks now or you have to leave and just something about that the way he said it how fast it all happened just sort of set me off and i was like we're gonna give be giving you a lot of money in about (laughs) 15 minutes just give us a second yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, as someone who is very much uh, not an alpha <laughs> and gets anxious around conflict, I would have caved immediately. Like, okay, we'll order. Please don't yell at us, please. Because I, I can see his side. It is a business after all. But at the same time, we just got out of a very long wrestling show where, you know, a good chunk of it was pretty good. A good chunk of it was um, eh, not so good. So I think we were, we were tired and grumpy ourselves there, Taylor, I think. Yeah, and uh, I guess my my New York came out as the New York resident at New York Mania. I had to show a little bit of a classic New York experience for people <laughs> who don't live there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well. In any event, uh, because it's your first time on the show here, Taylor, I'll ask you this: uh, How did you become a wrestling fan? How'd you get into it? So I got into it because when I was in third and fourth grade, uh, which was about in 1998. Um, That was when, you know, it was Attitude Era, it was WWF versus WCW, and wrestling was the thing at my school. Anyone who was anyone liked wrestling, Uh, so I got really into it. I was a WCW guy, 
I was a big Sting fan and a big uh, NWO Wolfpack fan was my big thing. I always have the story that my parents never uh, liked that I was into wrestling. Uh, but once my mother went to Las Vegas and she, she came back and she said, oh, I got you a Wolfpack t-shirt. And I was so excited. I couldn't believe it that my mother had bought me this wrestling shirt. And she gave it to me, and it was a Nevada Wolfpack shirt, <laughs> uh, which is the college, and their their team is called the Wolfpack. And I was so incredibly disappointed. I don't think I ever wore that shirt because I was so disappointed. I had gotten my hopes up. Oh my god, I'm going to get a you know NWO red and black shirt, and it was this you know college T-shirt. That is like note for note the episode of The Simpsons where Bart wants this violent video game and Marge, you know, goes, I know you wanted this game. All the boys want it. And he goes, you got me the game. And it's like a putting game. Like it's the, the complete opposite of what he wanted. So that's that's tremendous, man. That That's tremendous. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, in third and fourth grade. Everyone was big fans. And then fifth grade hit and no one was fans anymore except for me. I sort of kept up with it. Um and became later when WCW ended, became a TNA fan, and then later majorly a Ring of Honor fan. That was really the big moment for me because then I was a little bit older. I could buy the DVDs for myself and didn't have to rely on my parents to try and convince them to buy the pay-per-views of you know WWF, WWE. Uh, but that was that was really the inciting incident was that third and fourth grade, the fervor around wrestling in those years. Mm-hmm. And uh, has music played a big part in your fandom at all? You know, it really has, because I was thinking, knowing that you would ask me this question, you know, I was such a big Ring of Honor fan as a teen, I guess you would say. And so much of the memories for me of ring of honor, having gone to the shows, buying the DVDs all the time revolves around musical moments. I mean, the huge moment that everyone thinks of with ring of honor is the cage of death and homicides, you know, the truth hitting and the big pop. But I think of being there for one of Brian Danielson's last shows when everyone knew he was leaving and singing the final countdown Uh, For one of the last times thinking, oh, my gosh, this might be the last time I ever hear this live, which it turns out it was because he doesn't use that anymore because it's too expensive. But really, I think Ring of Honor had so many, you know, El Generico with Olay, songs like that that are ingrained in my really in my brain and define that era of wrestling for me, which was so huge in making me a lifelong fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done episodes about, you know, Brian Danielson and CM Punk and and those themes alone, you know, Final Countdown, Misery of Kantari, those themes are part of the fabric of ROH and such a big part of their legacy. And I can see how going to those shows during that era, those kind of songs can really cling to you and stick with you for a very long time, especially because they're real songs, not just some generic library songs that you might have nowadays there, Taylor. So, yeah. Yeah, certainly having it be real songs, I think, makes it a little bit easier. They may be songs that you already know from your real life anyway, uh, which really helps you sort of buy into them pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Right, right. 
So today, Taylor, we are doing an episode about themes uh, not from ROH, but rather from Stardom. World Wondering Stardom is the full name of the company. Uh, it's the most prominent Joshi promotion running today. And I know the finals of their Cinderella tournament is happening soon, uh, a couple hours away actually from this recording. Uh, so pretty timely there. And um, I have done a couple of, of classic Joshi-themed episodes over the years, uh, but this is all about you know current stardom themes, current Joshi themes. And I mentioned this on those classic episodes, but I'm very much one of those uh, lovely casual fans when it comes to Joshi and stardom. I know the players, I catch all the big hyped matches and whatnot, but um, I'm not someone who follows it every single show. Uh, but Taylor, since you do a Joshi podcast... You don't have that luxury. Your your obligation is to follow it along, you know, as it goes every step of the way. But um, but you're a big Joshi fan anyway, so uh, it's no big deal there, I suppose. Yeah, it's my, you know, it's the thing that I got into a number of years ago uh, and have really loved for a long time. And I was, I talked about this when we first started uh, two years ago, but I think Joshi is sort of the highest level in terms of getting into it, I think is very hard because it's really a niche of a niche in many ways. And when I got into it uh, at this point, seven years ago, eight years ago, there weren't really the tools that some companies have now, you know, the DDT English updates, which do the Tokyo Joshi English updates, English commentary on a lot of these shows, you know, pay-per-views, streaming services. It was really the highest entry level entry point, uh, in most of wrestling. And so I wanted to sort of create this podcast. The reason I created the podcast is to hopefully help people like me who wanted to get into it and want the something to help them know what's going on. Uh, someone to talk to, you know, oftentimes I look just, I watch a show and I'm like, I want to go look for a review just to see someone else talking about this show because it gives you some sense of camaraderie with saying, hey, I watched this and here's what you think. And maybe I think the same or maybe I think differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, when it comes to like stardom in particular, it feels like a good promotion to jump in on for the big stuff because um, I, I do hear you complain in the Slack chat from time to time about stardom's booking and all the time limit draws, which, you know, whenever they do a draw, I do think of you and chuckle. I can't lie. But um, <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm just coming in for the big stuff and the big matches because they produce some amazing matches, and it's because they have this amazing roster. I mean, you know, when you're the, the biggest promotion on the block with the backing of Bushi Road, you have that benefit. You can afford to get all the best wrestlers you want, but they had great wrestlers before Bushi Road, too. I mean, Io Shirai, Kairi Hojo, Mayo Iwatani, I mean, those three alone are all tremendous. Not to mention people like, you know, Kagetsu and Nane Takahashi and Konami and Jungle Kiona and many more people like that. They've had some great wrestlers over the years, but it feels like since this Bushiroad acquisition that they've just, you know, kept adding more and more of them to the roster. And is it great for the scene as a whole? Eh, maybe not. I don't know. But when it comes to, like, buzzworthy matches, star ratings, all that jazz, they're the ones to beat, especially when it comes to women's wrestling, Taylor. Yeah, they certainly have an incredibly talented roster. And as much as I do, you know, have the issues with the draws or different things in the booking. Uh, the one thing I always say is they really can lean on an immensely talented roster. 
um, in both in ring and out of ring, really a lot of very charismatic performers as well as talented in ring performers, which is, you know, even if I do have these problems, it's easier to lean back on a promotion where I go, okay, I have some issues with the booking uh, from time to time, but at the end of the day, they do deliver great matches very often. Um, and there are many people like you, Andrew, who say, oh, I love to, you know, just hop in from time to time, see the good matches. And, you know, that's great because they deliver a lot of those really great matches because it's a very strong roster. It was strong before Bushi Road, as you said, and it's gotten even stronger. Uh, and I think in many ways there was a fear. I certainly had the fear that Bushi Road would come in. They would destroy, you know, promotions, signing everyone up. But I think that they've actually done a lot in terms of helping some of these smaller promotions, getting people in, exposing their fan base to wrestlers from Marvelous or uh, wrestlers from Diana. I know that uh, two stardom wrestlers, Unagi Sayaka and Mina Shirakawa, are wrestling at the Diana, Pro, uh, Pro Wrestling Diana, Corican Hall show tonight, I believe. So they are still doing things that are helping out the scene, and it hasn't been this sort of, we're taking all your talent and screw all you people that I worried it would be when it was sort of first announced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even after the acquisition, they still bring in, as you said, outsiders here and there, and they still do a lot of their shows with their normal production style as well, which is pretty sparse, I think, compared to other companies. You know, there's no commentary at all. They shoot it almost entirely mat level ringside. They barely use a hard cam and they do have pay-per-views where they bring in full production and commentary and the whole nine yards. And it does look like a, a proper big show, but if you're dropping in for some random house show or random cork and hall show, it's going to look the same as it would, you know, four or five years ago. So yeah, some things have changed with Bushy road, uh, but some things have not Taylor. That's for sure. Yeah. I think they've become a little bit more of a serious promotion certainly but at the end of the day i first got into stardom many years ago because the wrestling was so good and the wrestling still is good you know i do sometimes wish you know they used to do golden week which is coming up they would do battle royals where they would you know dress up as each other which was always sort of a fun goofy thing they don't really do that anymore and sometimes i think oh you know bummer they don't do that anymore but you know if they're delivering four and a half four and a quarter star matches for me on a pretty much a monthly basis. You know, you take the good with the, the good with the quote unquote bad, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that Shuri Utami draw from last year got so much hype and so much praise more so than any Joshi match. I can remember for a very long time. And it actually made it all the way to number five on the VOW match of the year poll, which is the highest that Joshi match has ever gotten on that poll. Which, you know, considering it's surrounded by AEW and New Japan in that top 10, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive there for sure, Taylor. Yeah, and I've been happy that I believe every year since, at least for the last few years, you know, the Joshi match, it was always, oh, the Joshi match, the top match of the year places 34th. And it was like, well, great, it's 34th. And then it was 25th. And then it was 19. And now it's all the way up to 5th. And I'm very happy that more people are watching these matches because I think a lot of them are very good. You talked about that draw. They had the um, 
Azumi Starlight Kid match from this yep. year that got hype from Dave Meltzer and Will Ospreay. That was really great to see as well. Yeah, that match was really great too. And um, I'm sure there'll be more praise to come with this roster you know, going forward. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have 10 to get to. And uh, much like with the first Masters of Dragon Gate episode I did with Mike Spears way back when, I decided to make this an all-star game. No pun intended, because uh, it's the first stardom episode. Let's not pussyfoot around. Let's go with the big names, the major players. And it's a big roster, so there are people who got left off, unfortunately. So apologies to Konami and Fukiken Death and H-A-N-A-N Hanan. We'll get to them at some point, I'm sure. But for now, Taylor, I wanted to focus on the big names, which uh, I think looking at this list here, it's chock full of them. Yeah, you've gotten all the major players, all the champion or at least champion level uh, talent here. So, yeah, this is a pretty, pretty good list. I think anyone who's a fan of stardom will hear at least uh, one song here that they'll be very excited about. Yeah, for sure. So we'll start off here with our first wrestler, and it's the icon of stardom, Mayu Iwatani, leader of the Stars unit, who has won all the big titles and tournaments in the company. Uh, also a big Steve Brule fan with their catchphrase, check it out. 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 Mayu's theme is by Kazuki Nakamachi, and it's called The Savior. So Mayu is uh, the most prominent babyface in stardom, uh, so it's only natural then that she has a very prominent face theme. Uh, this kind of feel-good rock song, kind of song for like a summertime activity montage perhaps. Uh, it's all very upbeat and zippy and good-natured, and it definitely fits the uh, the adorkable Mayu spirit to a T, Taylor. It feels a little to me like the end credit song of a sit some sort of sitcom or like disney channel show like you think of the end like someone makes a joke the audience laughs and then this music sort of hits i don't know what it is i don't know if it's sort of it has sort of a higher pitched guitar sound it's a little bit sort of loopy like repetitive to me uh but that's sort of the feeling i get it was so funny listening to this because i've heard the song so many times having Mayu been with stardom really since the beginning that I've heard it and really sitting down to listen to it for this was in an odd way like a different experience because I'm like oh yeah this is the song that I hear all the time um, and really doing sort of active listening to it as opposed to when I watch a show and it just sort of is happening as 
you know, she's walking out and the, maybe commentary is happening or something else is going on or someone's in the ring. It was a it was a different experience. It's not my favorite song, certainly not my favorite song of, of the 10 we're going to cover today. But it does feel like um, like Mayu in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, looking at the other themes here, it's kind of an outlier, really, because a lot of the stardom themes, I think, fall into that uh, techno EDM dubstep family, whereas this is just your more straightforward rock song, uh, rather plain, actually, compared to all these songs with, you know, synths and samples and whatnot. Not to say that Mayu is herself plain. She's very, you know, charismatic and colorful. She's the icon for a reason, but... She doesn't have this super busy theme that many others do here, Taylor. Yeah, and I think part of that is, uh, I believe, if, I, if I'm if i remembering correctly, I th- she's had this song for quite a while. You know, Mayu, more than a lot of people on this list, has been around. She's sort of of a different generation, I think of. She's sort of the, the shorthand of it is she is the Hiroshi Tanahashi of stardom is how I sort of think of it. Someone who's been around for a while sort of has that pedigree and can win, can win matches is considered very highly, but maybe isn't the number one challenger anymore. So it sort of feels like, Oh, this is a song of another sort of era of stardom. And I know that she has a, we won't cover it here. She has a secondary theme, which is, Yes. In a similar vein that she uses when I think either she's champion or she challenges for a title, I think is when she uses that. Yeah, it's a big match championship theme, which um, actually goes even further into like celebratory, you know, good guy heroic energy there with the horns and the synths and all that. That That is her busy theme. She's kept the savior as her main theme, which ties into what you've been saying about her being part of that past generation, you know, the generation of of freedom with her, Io, and Kyrie. And when those latter two left to go to WWE, she stayed on as the icon, as the flag bearer, as you know, the elder, quote unquote, of stardom. And the savior represents that. But but I do like this championship theme more so than the savior, if I'm being honest, Taylor. Yeah, and this also has a pattern that I noticed listening to all of these back-to-back in this manner, in that very late in the song, they sort of add something musically which isn't anywhere in the beginning of the song that I find very interesting. Here it's a guitar solo, very late in the song, and it's not a long guitar solo. 
but a lot of these songs have very interesting things happen musically in the second half of the song, which is unusual to me in wrestling themes because usually you want the interesting stuff to happen up front because you might only hear that first half or the first quarter of a theme. And so I, I just found that interesting sort of listening to all of these in a row that I might not catch on to, certainly if I was watching a show because that part of the song might not even play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with like American themes, they tend to be, you know, mostly loops. So we're kind of used to that. But um, but I think that Japanese themes tend to be a bit more fleshed out in terms of their structure um, for the most part anyway. So up next, we're going to go to the current World of Stardom champion Shuri, who just formed her own new stable called God's Eye which is a damn cool name for a group, I think. Uh, Shuri, a former member of Donna Del Mundo as well. Her theme is by Dai Mirai, and it's called Manjushage. So Manjushage is the Japanese name for a flower called the red spider lily, which is this poisonous red flower. And Shuri is a legit MMA fighter and kickboxer who beats the ever-loving shit out of people. And her primary attire color is red. So at the very least, it's a pretty accurate title, Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, she is very associated with the color red, so a very appropriate name for the song. Yeah, and the song is dubstep, which can also be a very poisonous genre of music, uh, depending on your taste. (laughs) Um, But seriously, though, I'm not a big dubstep fan, but I do like this song. And I think it helps that it's not your typical big, concussive dubstep beat kind of song where it's, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's melodic parts in there, too. It's not like it's El Phantasmo's theme, where the goal is to be the most annoying song possible, no, it's a little bit more varied than that. But um, but all in all, it is a rather intense theme, which, again, for someone like Shuri, who is a very intense fighter, that's what you want, Taylor. Yeah, and on first listen, it reminds me, especially the beginning of it, reminds me a lot of Hanukkah theme when she was in Tokyo Cyber Squad, a song called Internet Friends, which yes. had that sort of beat. You know, it had the dialogue, and then the dialogue ended, and it sort of went into that you know like EDM thing I can't really do it but it reminded me a lot this is very high energy I think it does well to match Shuri's intensity she's a very intense wrestler and I think this sort of 
I'm also not really an EDM guy in my day-to-day life, but I think that this song has a good intensity that matches Shuri's personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's also important, too, that she has a theme that feels like a big deal because she is the world champion, and you want your world champion to feel important and feel impactful, and seeing her come out with the robe and the belt and this just sheer attack of noise coming straight at you from the jump, it does present her as this big deal, as this, you know, aggressive, badass fighter who's going to bring it in the ring. So um, it works well in that sense too, Taylor. Yeah, and it's not overly oppressive to me either, which I think is a good thing. And I think what Stardom aims for, I don't know that they really have anyone on the roster where you're trying to sort of strike fear into people. And I guess Shuri could do that because she's, a, as you said, a legit MMA fighter, a former UFC fighter. You know, they have the section in the middle where the guy goes, put your hands up. And then it switches to the new section, which I thought was fun. This one feels slightly more varied than Mayu, than Mayu's did to me. It's got a few more sort of sections to it, which I liked as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, and I did learn this about Shuri in my preparation for this episode. She used to come out to Sakura's theme from Street Fighter Four, both in wrestling and MMA, which for a fighter, hey, it's a good choice, but um, I don't think Stardom wanted to, uh, you know, pony up the cash for that uh, this time around there, Taylor. So um, in-house theme it is. No, Stardom has really never, I talked about the internet friends, the Hanakamura theme, but they have never really been into, they've always sort of had their own themes, even going back many years, even before Bushi Road, in a way that's very different than most of Joshi, because especially the indie independent level of Joshi. It's mostly songs that, you know, you know, Ryo Mizunami coming out to Pitbull. Uh, Asuka comes out to, has come out to Billie Eilish and Beyonce. And in Stardom, it's always been these created songs. So I think they mostly try and stay away from sort of licensed music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they put out a bunch of their own albums over the years too. So um, the proof is right there, of course. So there you go. So um, theme number three, and it's for the leader of Cosmic Angels, Tom Nakano, former Wonder of Stardom champion. Uh, Tom's theme is one that she actually sings and wrote herself, along with Kazuki Nagamachi. It's called Twilight Dream. how the savior was an outlier among many other stardom themes uh so is this for fairly obvious reasons uh this is not rock 
Not dubstep, not EDM at all. It's a lovely pop song that sounds straight out of a romantic movie or TV show or anime or whatever. I mean, Tom is a former idol, uh, so it's dipping into those roots there for sure, but it doesn't intrinsically feel like a wrestling theme. It works for Tom, obviously, but you hear those opening piano notes. Your mind doesn't go straight to suplexes and pile drivers, Taylor, that, that's for sure. <laughs> No, you you sort of said what I had in my notes was, which was this feels most like an actual song to me that you would hear out and about and you wouldn't think, oh, this is a song for some wrestler. It feels like an idol song, which as you said, Tom has the background of being an idol. She started with Actress Girls many years ago, which is an idol focused promotion and then made her way from there to stardom and the twinkling pianos at the beginning really set up what the song is it's called twilight dream you have the twinkling pianos sort of making you think of looking up at the night sky seeing the stars things like that so it does feel very much especially with the few songs we have coming up after this one it feels like a big change of pace yeah it definitely has that like you said that that starry fantastical feel to it which goes well with her look because she comes out dressed in that purple getup with that uh that axe staff thing she does look like an anime warrior princess um also she's in a group called cosmic angels there's that too um now lyrically i read that this song is about tom's relationship with mayu because they used to be in stars together uh this is poorly translated i know but um there are lines like the stars where the yellow incense sinks and floats Moonlit road, I'll dig your hands. My heart trembles at once, and I reach out my hand once more. The moment I touch it, it spreads again. Secret dream with me and you. Stay with me. Now, I know that, you know, Mayu and Tom are pretty close, but from those translations, it does come across as there being possibly some uh, romantic inclinations in there as well. I mean, that's probably not the intention. I don't know, but that's what it sounds like to me, Taylor. Well, you never know. There's been a lot of kissing or attempted kissing That's going true. on in stardom true. recently. So you never know quite, you never can put it past them about the romantic element of these songs. I also like that this is a song that is sung. We have a couple other songs that have words or singing in them, but they don't feel like this where this is a sung song all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of those songs have samples they've got vocal drops here and there but for this one you know someone put pen to paper and wrote original words out for it so it's pretty unique in that sense absolutely um also you know it's a song that can really only work in the world of joshi i think where there is such a heavy idol presence and influence where it doesn't feel too out of place uh, in that context, um, it's funny though. You have this song that is like so descriptive and and beautiful and poppy and idly, and Tom Nakano, despite looking the part, she is also a kung fu expert. And one of her moves is the Steiner screwdriver, and she's been in death matches as well. Like the song fits her to a T, but it also totally belies her skill and experience. Taylor, yeah, she worked for a time for FMW. And she has had exploding bat death matches in stardom. 
uh, which was unfortunately for me as someone who loved it, not well received by the fan base, <laughs> did not enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Uh, but she does have that side to her, which isn't really in the song at all, but there is sort of that sneaky side. But I think you are right. I have to agree that a lot of these songs, I could see them maybe going to someone else, going to a New Japan wrestler, for example, or someone outside the world of Joshi. That is not the case with this one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Theme number four, and it's for the Black Peach, Momo Watanabe. Uh, Momo was a member of Queen's Quest up until last year when she turned heel and joined Oedo Tai. Now she's one half of the Goddess of Stardom Champions, which are the, uh, the tag belts in the company. Momo's theme is by Shinji Kaizu and Miho Onaka. It's called Live Devil. First of all, uh, Live Devil is a palindrome, so good wordplay there, I like it. Second, we're back to the EDM here, but this is your more blatantly evil type of EDM. Evil DM, you might say. Uh, we don't just have the already intense beats, like we had in Shuri's theme, but we also have the spooky gothic choir, the organ music, the word devil is in the name of the song, so it's all quite sinister albeit in a, a dancey nightclub kind of way, Taylor. Yeah, I love organ in wrestling themes, so this one was big with me, really liked it with the voices. It has a sort of, I don't even know what to call it, but the song sort of starts with like a boom, boom, right at the beginning with the voices and the organ, which I think are very cool. I think more people, especially heels, should use organ music in their themes. And it is still EDM, but it feels very, as you said, different from Shuri. I love the sort of da -da 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 -da, really fast synth notes in there. I thought that was really cool. It has some weird singing part sort of in the middle, which goes along with the theme of stardom doing different things late in the song. So overall, of the ones we've covered so far, this is my favorite one. I just think it's really cool. It fits Momo's new heel personality. It's very interesting to me because it is a remix of her previous theme, but that theme she only had for a couple of months, I believe, because her original theme, I think, was called Dark Peach. Correct. Which she had for a long time. She got this theme for a very little amount of time and then turned heel, and so they remixed it. I just find that interesting if someone was just like, hey, I made you a new theme, and they're like, great, I'll use this, and then realize, oh, I'm turning heel, I have to do something else with this. <laughs> uh, whoops. 
Yeah, whoopsie daisy, sorry about that, sorry about that, but, um, but yeah, she had Dark Peach, that was her theme for a long time, uh, then she got her second theme, which is called That Was Super Fun. changed it for this new one here, Live Devil, which is the heel remix of Super Fun, which uh, makes sense because if you're turning heel and joining a Wado Tai, which is the main bad guy unit, having a song called That Was Super Fun doesn't really work. You know, Live Devil much more so. And the song with the added spooky and scary bits works better for the group as well, I think. So, um, yeah, it's not my favorite stardom theme. That's up next, actually, but I do think it's pretty good and it works for uh, this character turn for Momo, for sure. Um, but I, I did like her old theme, too, Dark Peach. That was good. And, and that was also Electronica, but um, it wasn't dark. It was actually pretty upbeat and nice, which is uh, odd, given the name. But, um, but I did learn recently that Momo is Japanese for peach, uh, hence Dark Peach, Black Peach, all that stuff. So, yeah, I did not know that until, like, recently, Taylor. That's right. She's had the peach, uh, the peach theme throughout her whole career. Also interesting that her last theme was called, I don't even know if I knew it was called That Was Super Fun, which seems like a thing that doesn't really fit Momo. She's sort of a, uh, she's sort of a very serious wrestler to me. So having a theme called That Was Super Fun sounds like someone who would be like, that was super fun. Let's go. <laughs> uh, which to me, even when she was, uh, Babyface, she was a more serious. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded 
by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Sort of in-ring competitor baby face. So that was super fun and sort of weird to see about being the title of Momo's theme. Well, at least it wasn't around for that long. So, you know, no harm, no foul, I suppose there. But uh... That's right. <laughs> yeah, but... Um... Before we move on here, let me just say that this episode of Music of the Mat is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get all that convenience without skimping on the quality. There are all sorts of recipes to choose from, including salmon limon and pasta primavera, as well as options for veggie meals, fit and wholesome, family-friendly, and gourmet. So plenty of variety there. Meals are ready in about 30 minutes or less, and with the pre-portioned ingredients, you never have to worry about overbuying or wasting food. And as I've said many times before here on the show, I am no wizard in the kitchen, but HelloFresh helps me out immensely. I got all the ingredients right there, the recipes are easy to follow, and the prep work and cleanup time is low. So if you're like me, and you want to make some nice meals all by yourself, then go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. That's the number 1616. Use the code VOW16 and get up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Moving on now to our next theme here, and it's for the Jumbo Princess Himeka, a member of Donna Del Mundo and one-third of the Artist of Stardom Champions, their trio's belts. Himeka's theme is by Dai Mirai. It's called Nova Princess.
So, no hyperbole, this is legit my favorite stardom theme, and one of my favorite wrestling themes in general. I love this song so, so much, and I waited so long for this to officially come out. Had to put up with, like, bootlegs on YouTube, but finally, it came out, and I've been a very happy camper ever since. Dance along to this bad boy here, Tyler. It's wonderful. It sounds to me, and this is not a negative thing, this is just my observation, it sounds like a song from a band that would have opened for someone like Ace of Bass in 1994. <laughs> it has just a feeling about it. I don't know if it's the sample, which is this Burn Some Fire. Do you know anything about this Burn Some Fire song? Uh, all I know is that the song is called Burn Some Fire by Sheila Wildbeer. I think that's how you say her name. And she's some uh, indie recording artist, I think, from England. And she's on, like, Apple and Spotify and all that. But beyond that, not much info about her, I don't think. Um, all I know is that, you know, she got her song sampled for this theme. Because it was really interesting. I was finding the song really interesting. I thought, oh, maybe I should look up the, the original song and couldn't find it anywhere to compare and say, you know, is this... A, lot, a big remix, or is it largely this person made it and there's some tweaks? I don't know. Uh, I also like the song. I especially like, late in the song again, there's some great horns late yes. in the song that I really love. Love that part too. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a song that, you know, is similar to Twilight Dream where it doesn't feel like it belongs in wrestling. Like, it's, it's more suited for some Italian discotheque that a wrestling show because it's a true dance song you know it samples again burn some fire which has the line let's burn some fire on the dance floor stop just dance like this is a proper banger dance song and oh by the way Himeka does not have a dancing gimmick like she's in Donna Del Mundo which has the Euro connection there and she does make some very uh, bombastic and over-the-top facial expressions a lot of times sure but her whole thing is her size and her power. That, that's the hook. So it is a contrast there. But regardless, it's still a banger theme, Taylor. Yeah, probably the first theme that we've covered so far that doesn't really, to me, match who the wrestler is. But it's still a great theme. And sometimes it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, yeah, it might not match her that much. But it's a good song. It's high energy again. Get the fans into it. So I can't complain. Mm -hmm. It also has like these audio snippets of some woman talking about music and rhythm and things like that, which I don't know who that is, uh, but they seem like some sort of artist or musician themselves. Um, but it is, I think, a rather unique touch. And I can't think of another theme song that really incorporates something like that into it, Taylor. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Certainly not later in the song. There's a lot of songs with sort of talking right at the beginning. Um but nothing I can think of where it's in the middle, like like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it does give the song a little bit of class, too, because otherwise, you know, it's fairly risque. I mean, one of the recurring lines is, dirty boy, dirty boy, make me feel like I'm your toy. Which, if you're wondering, yes, I do sing along to that part, too. I, I can't help it, Taylor. It just it takes over me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all part of the magic of wrestling. You just got to go with the flow. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So up next, we'll look at the theme for the current Wonder of Stardom champion, Saya Kamitani, otherwise known as Tall Saya by the fans, because 
The other Saya on the roster, Saya Ida, is like four foot eight. So yes, she's the de facto tall one, I'd say. Uh, also a member of Queen's Quest. Saya's theme is again by Dai Marai. It's called Skydance. So some more electronica here, and uh, this is the most light-hearted EDM we've had so far, I'd say. Um, kind of reminds me of Show's old face theme at certain points with the but but this makes sense. I mean, Saya is on the more uh, white meat babyface side of things in the roster there. So um, you know, I don't have much to say about this one to be honest with you. It's it's a fine theme. It's just one that you know doesn't really hook me all that much, Taylor. Yeah, it does really match Saya very well. She's a, as you said, a baby face. She sort of is carefree. I don't know if that's the right word, but sort of a maybe naive, you might say. She's now developed this reputation in the company for ruining surprises is sort of her gimmick. Uh, and they sort of played this off with, they say, oh, we have an ex and it's Saya knows, but she can't tell anyone. But the song really is, as you said, EDM, but not the heavy EDM of the Suri version. The sort of brum, brum, brum that you think of with EDM is sort of buried a little bit in the mix. Back, it's very light to me, but still high energy, which Saya is. Saya known for doing a lot of moves that many people in Joshi don't do she does the phoenix splash finish she can do dives over the top rope which almost no one in Joshi can do so this really to me is a fit I do totally understand what you say in that there isn't a ton to the song I don't think but it does to me really hand in glove fit Saya yeah yeah I mean it's called Skydance which um, if you know Saya's backstory She's an actual dancer. Uh, she's been in a couple of like backup dancing groups over the years, and uh, she does dance during her entrance as well with the various poses. So that all works fine. And of course, the sky part, again, as you said, uh, she is one of the high flyers of the roster, does the Phoenix Splash and the running shooting star and the springboards and all that. And again, it all works fine. It's just not my personal favorite. I mean, to be honest with you, it's nearly impossible to compete with Dirty Boys. I mean, it's you just can't do it, Taylor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tough act to follow. The Dirty Boys is always going to be a tough act to follow. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I say all this not as an indictment of Saya herself. I do like her, of course. Um, although I will admit, um, whenever she does that running and shooting star press, I do get nervous that she'll end on her head because she's not like 
a terrible flyer, but she's not the most graceful one either, Taylor. Yeah, she can really, she gets close. The Phoenix Splash is another one where sometimes she's coming down and I'm watching and thinking, oh, I hope her knees don't land on someone's face (laughs) is often what I sit thinking. And there hasn't been that yet. So fingers crossed. Everyone stays safe, of course. We all we all want people to stay safe in wrestling. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Going to go now to another member of Queen's Quest, uh, the senior member of the group, despite only being 19 years old. It's Azumi, current high-speed champion, and it's spelled A-Z-M, but it's pronounced Azumi, not A-Z-M. So don't pull an Alvarez on that one, please. Uh, Azumi's theme is by DJ Shu. It's called Ready to Rock. it's funny Azumi is the high speed champion she's 19 5 foot nothing 100 pounds soaking wet and yet her theme song goes so hard like it literally starts off with the police siren you know shots fired suspect down get a medic and the music just ramps up at this fever pitch just da 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 then it goes all chaotic rock rock ready to rock like it's such a big to do song that paints Azumi as this like big presence, despite not literally being big, Taylor. Yeah, I that intro is very feels very Ring of Honor to me in a way. We talked about the Ring of Honor themes with sort of a section in the beginning that is connected to what happens later, but not totally connected. It feels very Azumi is in Queen's Quest. It feels very Queen's Quest to me because Queen's Quest. Uh, their group theme starts off with the voice saying bow down to the queens so it's similar in that way Uh, but uh, it does go very hard for you know this very young small wrestler it feels to me sort of in the same category not totally similar as the momo theme listening to the two of them sort of back to back they feel similar in some ways to me which may make sense former stable mates uh have they had a feud together when momo turned and joined oedo tai so there is the connection there but this is one of my more favorite not my favorite of these 10 but very near the top to me because i think it's really fun and a good song Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty badass, too, uh, more so than her previous theme, I think, Laurel, which um, I did like that one, especially the intro with the uh, 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 
I did like that part, but that one was more on like the slower side of things. This one keeps up that frenetic energy all throughout, which works better for Azumi, I think, because, you know, she's fast and super agile, always zipping around the ring, doing these fancy roll-ups and whatnot. So I think it's a better fit for her in that sense too, Taylor. Yeah, she is, as you mentioned, the high-speed champion currently, but even when she's not the champion, she's always involved in the division in some way. So a sort of high-energy, fast-paced theme makes total sense for her as someone who really represents maybe the person who most, maybe it would be Starlight Kid. The two of them probably, at least to me, looking at the company, represent most that high-speed style that I think about. Yeah, same, same. I mean, it's it's wild. Like, she's 19, already great, but also she's been wrestling since she was literally 12. Like, <laughs> there's a photo of her on Wikipedia from around her debut where she's just a little girl in pigtails in a ring. Like, it's crazy how she's almost a decade in and she's not even 20 yet, you know? And, and you do think, like, okay, if she's this good now at 19, where will she be at, you know... 25 or whatever how good will she be then it's again it's, it's wild to think about taylor yeah she started right when i right when i started watching stardom or right before or right after i don't remember exactly what the timing was but she was the rookie the very young rookie the child rookie and so i definitely have a connection to azumi having seen her grow up in this company from really a child to still very young that she is now, but it feels like I've seen this whole career already, even in the seven years, you know, not even 20 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, theme number eight, and it's for Julia. Roberts? Child? Louis Dreyfus? No, just Julia. A leader of Donna Del Mundo, former Cinderella winner and Wonder of Stardom champion as well. Julia's theme is again by Kazuki Nagamachi. It's called Gloria. It's hard to consider this as anything other than a big deal theme song. I mean, when you start off with a choir doing what sounds like the intro to O Fortuna, that sets the tone right there. I mean, after that, you get these big, crunchy guitar chords. And it becomes this badass metal song. It feels very much like a final boss type of theme, Taylor. 
Yeah, it really does to me. This is the theme that sounds most like a New Japan theme to me, where if you told me, you know, I've heard this song having watched Julia many times, but if you sort of told me blank slate that, oh, this is the theme for someone in, I don't know, House of Torture or something, I could probably believe that. It has sort of that size that I think of with a lot of New Japan themes, a big intro, you know, glorious, notable intro with that choir or with the uh, O Fortuna type song. It's very interesting to me as Julia is sort of in an interesting position now. She was the head of Donna Del Mundo, as you talked about earlier. Now Shuri has broken away. Shuri and a few others have broken away from Donna Del Mundo to form God's Eye. And it's just interesting because it feels like Julia might be getting into a different spot. When I think of, does this song match Julia? It feels very much like a song for Julia's original form, sort of in stardom, which was the getting to the top, sort of loud, boisterous, quasi-heel Julia she had the long feud with Tom Nakano that ended with the hair match where she lost her hair. And she's come back and sort of felt a little bit different. I don't know that you could ever really get rid of this theme for her just because it feels so big. You would, I don't know what you would replace it with that could really stand up. But it just feels sort of like a theme for a different slightly different version of Julia to me. I still really like the song. I like it's got a lot of guitars in it, but just was interesting as I listened to it to think about that. Well, I mean, if you look back at Julia's entrance into the company, she was pushed as a big deal, you know, from the jump, pretty much. I mean, they gave her her own stable. She won the Cinderella tournament. Uh, she won the white belt, always in the mix at the top of the card. Um, when they did that first Russell Kingdom dark match tag, she was in it. You know, she's always been treated like a big deal in the company. So I think the epicness of her theme song goes along with that. You know, maybe they'll change it up. I don't know. But as far as those first few years are concerned, the scope of the theme really matches how they presented her, Taylor. Yeah. And it certainly feels like a song, as I sort of mentioned, that you don't, I wouldn't want to lose this song because it feels like a big song. It feels like an important song. So you don't want to lose it because you couldn't really use it for, you couldn't give it to someone else or something like that. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe she keeps it for a while. Maybe she goes back to that more uh, tough sort of heel style that I associate with that. So we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's also, I think, one of the more serious themes as well, for the most part. Like, it doesn't have the lightness of Saya's theme or the funky danceability of Himeka's theme. But it's also not as overtly spooky or evil as Momo's is. Like, it manages to feel intimidating without being too uh, cartoonish about it. Like, you still have the intro, of course, which is very epic and over the top. But beyond that, it does tend to get more grounded with the metal and the rock. And it's all serious business from there, which, um, you know, helps it stand out in that sense, too, Taylor. Yeah, it certainly, certainly, sta it certainly stands out amongst the others, even listening to them in this in this uh, selection that we have. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder that uh, Julia and Tom Nakano had that big feud because their theme songs are so diametrically opposed from each other there. So <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, certainly two very different wrestlers with two very different themes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I did want to point this out, too. On the album that this song came out on, the title is spelled Grolia, G-R-O-L-I-A, which has to be a case of some weird Japanese L-R mix-up because her nickname is The Glorious Warrior, one of her finishers is The Glorious Driver, her real middle name is Gloria, and, oh yeah, Grolia is not a real word. Like, <laughs> I, I refuse to believe that the actual name of this song is is Grolia. It, it can't be that, Taylor. No, I don't, I don't believe that either, and I think if you didn't know even the name of the song and you said guess what the this song might be called with that choir in the beginning with the big song you might guess gloria like gloria sounds like the appropriate title yeah it was very strange to look at um when i first saw the name and it's like grolia what the hell it's got to be a mix up there um only thing stranger than that is some of julia's hairstyles folks <laughs> am i right come on she needs to say a to her stylist Wow, I get to uh, do a podcast and see a stand-up show all in one night. (laughs) Amazing. I'm a jack-of-all-trades. What can I say? What can I say? Our second-to-last theme here, and it's for another member of Oedo Tai and the other half of the Goddess of Stardom Champions with Momo. It's Starlight Kid, former member of Stars who turned heel last year and joined Oedo Tai. Kid's theme is by Miho Onaka. It's called Decided. So some more chaotic electronica here, uh, much like with Momo's theme, and like with Momo's theme as well, it leans into the evil with the maniacal laugh and the scary tiger roar at the beginning. It's pretty campy and, and theatrical, but look, it's Starlight Kid. She comes out in a cape, has a faux tiger mask mask on, and she's called the Starlight Kid. Like, the whole thing is pretty campy and theatrical, but at the same time, Taylor, another banger theme for sure. Yeah, I really like the laugh, and the whole thing to me feels very... This is going to make me sound a thousand years old, the way I describe this, but <laughs> it feels very young and very modern with the vocals in the song. I don't know why I think that. It just feels like Starlight Kid is very young, and it feels like a song for a younger person uh, that I really like. It does have that heel edge, but it also feels to me... Starlight Kid, as you mentioned, she turned heel recently. 
which has been a huge boost for her career. She's gotten a lot of focus off of it. But to me, I think Starlight Kid is one of the most talented wrestlers in the company, period. And I think to me that the money obviously is in when she sort of goes back to babyface because I think people want to root for her. She sort of has the look. She's young. And so there were hints in this song to me that if she were to turn back and be a babyface, that you could sort of tweak this song a little bit and I could easily see it being a song for a babyface wrestler. I agree a lot, yeah, because like with Hameka's theme, it incorporates these lyrics from another song, uh, Louder Now by Tobu. Let me show you how I can leave when I'm in power. Then we'll see what you'll believe. I got the power to throw you in eternity. I'll sing you louder because I'm in power. I'll sing you louder now. Those lyrics are not necessarily evil or scary or dark, but they rather sound empowering and they imply that it's Starlight Kid's time now. You know, I'm in power is the repeated phrase. And as you said there, Kid has definitely had a significant career boost since the heel turn, winning the high speed belt, then the tag belts, getting a lot more focus. So the song isn't just about turning evil and being a bad guy. It's about rising up the ranks. And should Starlight Kid, you know, turn face, that whole theme of ascension and becoming more powerful and becoming more of a focus, that could hold true as a face theme, Taylor. It doesn't feel as overtly spooky or evil as Momo's does to me. Uh, This is my, of the 10 songs, this is my favorite one. It doesn't have any dirty boys in it, but what really can. But this is my favorite one. I listened to this at least a dozen times in getting ready for this episode because I just listened to it and I'm like, I just want to listen to it again. And then I wanted to listen to it again. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I thought it was really great. Uh, a, a really super fun listen. Yeah, I enjoy this one a lot too. It's it's pretty great. And it's such a sharp left turn from the old Starlight Kid theme too, the, the face one, which feels so, uh, no pun intended, kid-like with how it's done and how light it is. You know, it starts off with that. And it does make you wonder, like, how the hell do you turn this character heel when they are just so squeaky clean and nice? But they did, and they made it work, both with the wrestler and this new theme here, Taylor. Yeah, there was a time in stardom when it seemed like Starlight Kid was just sort of going to be a fun babyface mid-card wrestler. That theme that you described goes along well with that of sort of, hey, I'm here and everyone's enjoying and look, I have a fun mask that's like a tiger mask. And it really was shocking to see this, not only in storyline to see her turn heel, but sort of looking at it as, oh, many people sort of thought, okay, she is what she is, even though she's so young. She sort of is what she is. She's a fun baby face. So to see that development has been good, that move away, because many people thought, and maybe the theme led into that, that it was sort of, okay, this person is who she is, and that's her spot. Yeah, like Izumi, she's pretty young, uh, only 20 And she's been wrestling for like six or seven years already. So a lot of parallels there between the two of them in terms of not just their size, their style, but also their experience levels and age. Um, So yeah, Kid is someone like Izumi. Keep an eye on her for the next few years because if she's this good now, imagine how good she'll be in like 
five years. You know, she's one to watch for sure, Taylor. Yeah, it's wild to think about as we talked about the hype from Will Ospreay and Dave Meltzer about their match and to think in five years, in 10 years, that they could be even better. And people are talking about this is the this is the peak of this style, the high speed style and things like that. You know, it makes you excited because you don't often wrestlers that young who are that good is so rare that it really feels like a special thing when they come along, especially two of them. I mean, look at Dragon Gate. You know, they got a host of young guys who are just starting out and already show signs of being good and not just good, but like great. I mean, that Takuma Fujiwara guy is literally a few months into his career and he's already like really smooth and good in the ring. And he just seems like a prodigy. And that's, you know, his generation. Meanwhile, you've got the previous generation who started like, I don't know, a year or two before him of like SBK and Jackie Funky Kame and, and Kakuda. They're already great too. And they're only a few years in. So yeah, it's insane to see Dragon Gate just pump out these good young wrestlers one after the other, Taylor. It's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Dragon Gate does it because it seems like every class it's like, how did they, where do they find these people? that are so good and then a year goes by and it's four other people and you're like wait a minute these people are also really good how are they developing in a way that almost no one else does i mean even stardom has these two but they are not really all that prolific with bringing sort of training wrestlers at that level to that you know that number of wrestlers you know it's three this year it's three this year and they're all seemingly pretty at least pretty good if not very good yeah it's incredible for sure so the final theme of the episode here is for another queen's quest member uh the former world of stardom future of stardom artist goddess all the stars are here beardy man claude racy sorry uh it's utami hayashista utami's theme is by mizuki hatori it's called crusade I mentioned uh, the final boss vibes of Julia's theme. Uh, well, that goes triply so for this one. Uh, this is like an epic mix of metal and harpsichords and choirs. It's music for some apocalyptic battle of good and evil. And considering Utami's main colors are red and black, which are apocalyptic colors themselves, that's a good match. So, yeah, this is, I think, the definition of over-the-top, crazy epic theme song, Taylor. 
Yeah, I really like the choir again. I determined, I think, in listening to these 10 themes that I like vaguely like stuff in my themes, organs, choirs. Uh, I really like the drum stuff later in the song. There's some cool drum beats that I really liked. It's very interesting to me because Utami to me still feels watching the promotion very closely. And I've talked about this on our podcast. I, I still don't quite have a real a read on who Utami is sort of as a character. Her character sort of is good wrestler. And so it was sort of hard for me to listen to the song and be like, does this fit Utami? I don't know. I'm not really sure because I don't know what the vibe would be that I would say, ah, yes, this fits Utami. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the very least, I think, like Julia, Utami is someone who has been presented as a big deal in stardom from the jump. Like, she was the runner-up in her first five-star Grand Prix tournament when she was, like, literally a month into her career. That's huge. And of the belts that she's won, she was world champion for well over a year recently. So it stands to reason, then, that she would eventually get this epic, ultimate, god-like champion kind of theme like this one. Um, does it match the character? I don't think I can say for sure, because, again, I'm not as tuned into stardom as you would be, Taylor. But as far as matching her level of push, I think it does so pretty well. Yeah, you're totally right. She has been presented very strong right from the start. She was sort of the big prodigy of the company even before the Bushi Road uh, takeover purchase, whatever you want to call it. She was the big deal. She was on that um, New York. We talked about New York WrestleMania weekend. She was on that show in a big match. And even at that point, before she was the big deal she was now, she wasn't champion yet. She felt like a big deal. She was then champion for a long time. She had that very well-received match, that draw with Shuri, that finished fifth in the poll, the match of the year poll at the end of the year. So it certainly matches someone who has been presented strongly as she has. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because this is kind of an escalation of her previous theme, Riot of Flowers, but that song was already at a pretty high peak with this like bombastic, shredding, badass metal music. This one, though, it just seems to escalate it even further with the choirs and the harpsichord into something that's even more uh, elevated and over the top, Taylor. Yeah, and it fits a lot with Utami being the... She was sort of, in a way, the figurehead as the, the big champion of the year that Stardom had in terms of running bigger buildings. The song, you know, even the themes are getting bigger because we're running... Budokan, we're running, they ran Sumo Hall, you know, all these, everything's getting bigger. So it also makes sense the theme songs are getting bigger for some of these people. 
Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, also, as an aside, I did not know this about Utami until recently. She was famous before wrestling because she was on a reality show in Japan with her family for years called Tsukai Big Daddy. So she was going into wrestling already with a bit of a name, and then her career takes off, and now she's just known as the wrestler. That's her thing now. Um, so yeah, following in the Miz's footsteps of going from reality TV to wrestling, Taylor. There you go. So <laughs> Yeah, her dad is very famous in Japan. So she, even I think even before she started, or right as she started, that was the buzz about her was, oh, this person's coming in. Her father is very famous. She sort of had that buzz about her that just if you were a rookie going to the dojo and studying that you probably wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine so. Yeah. Um, All right. That's going to do it for this episode of music of the mat. Thank you so much for listening. And Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Your knowledge and expertise were very much appreciated. And this was just a lot of fun. So thanks so much, man. Thank you for having me. I had an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, And hopefully I'll be back at some point in the future. Ah, uh, yes, I believe we can make that work. Um, I know a guy who knows a guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. I will just plug uh, my podcast that I do with Kelly Harris, Jumping Bomb Audio. It is a bi-monthly podcast all about the world of Joshi wrestling. We cover all the way stardom, Tokyo Joshi, Seedling, Ice Ribbon, Marvelous, Sendai Girls. We cover the whole thing. We have a great time. So if you're a big fan of Joshi Joshi, or you're just looking to get into it, I recommend checking it out. We have a lot of fun. All right. And Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Jumping Bomb Audio. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat or Jumping Bomb Audio. That works too, of course. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, one more time, HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16. Use the code V-O-W-16 and get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Taylor, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Goodbye. All right, for Taylor Mainberg, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.